Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Welcome back, everybody, to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. Today's episode, I get to sit down with Grant Cardone. And I would almost say I've been waiting 20 years to do this episode and sit down with Grant because as you'll hear in a short while, he made a big difference in my life 20 years ago. I can't wait for you to hear that story. Now, Grant needs no introduction. I mean, you see him all over social media. You, you literally cannot open up Instagram or Twitter or basically the internet without seeing Grant everywhere right now. But in case you haven't come across him yet, he's the CEO of five privately held companies that do over $100 million a year in revenue. Can you imagine that? He's a famous real estate investor. He's got over 4,000 units in his portfolio. Matter of fact, Forbes says he's the number one marketing influencer to watch right now. He's a creator of the number one online sales training system in the world. And that's how I found him 20 years ago, by the way, is through his famous sales training program. And so if it has anything to do with money, wealth, success, sales, how to get there, Grant is the absolute man to tune into for this. And that's exactly what we're going to do today. So get ready, sit down, listen up because this episode is absolutely fire. Grant, my man, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great, my friend. I've been wanting to do this podcast with you for, well, since I saw you at Thrive in Vegas. I've been wanting to have you on this podcast since then, and actually much longer than that. You know what? I got to tell all the listeners a, a real brief story real quick. It was 20 years ago that I dropped out of college. I got into the car business, and my dealership grabbed all of us top performers to go see this sales expert, and his name was Grant Cardone, right? And it changed my life forever because that was the first time I realized I want to be the dude on stage teaching instead of working for somebody. So I got to thank you for that moment. Yeah, well, I, I want to be the guy that, that's on stage and working for the world. Oh, so, I love it. Uh, that's, that's what we're all about here. You know, our tagline is when good people make good money, they do great things. And I think that's the conversation we're going to get into here today. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the, the thing with the car business, I mean, the car, car business, as much as I hated being in the car business, it was a great, I mean, I learned so much there. I learned how to, you know, be great at something that I didn't like. I learned how to be an exception to the, to the surroundings. I learned how not to get trapped in the, the, the mediocre mediocrity that's uh, so prevalent in that industry. And basically by just re really being an observer, um, Chris, it gave me an opportunity to literally, literally launch my career there. So I'm really grateful for it. That's funny. I feel the exact same way about the car business for me. It, it wasn't ideal, but at the time it taught me sales. It taught me leadership. It taught me rejection. It taught me all these great things that I use now in life. And so you actually talk a lot about that. Let's, let's go there first. You talk about, you don't have to always like what you're doing, but it can still be good for you. It could still put you on your path. Expand on that a little bit if you don't mind. I mean, I think, I think more people should be dissatisfied with where they are. I think more people should start thinking about what they don't like in their life or what they don't like or not satisfied with in their relationships or in their diets or in how they use 24 hours in a day. I think too many people, I, this guy yesterday told me, he's like, man, I'm living the dream. I said, how you doing, dude? I was on an elevator. I was in Savannah, um, um, 
Orlando yesterday at a, at a multifamily real estate conference. And he's like, I'm living the dream. And I'm thinking to myself, no, you ain't. <laughs> dude, you're not living a dream, dude. I'm living a dream. I mean, if one of us is close to living a dream, I'm, I'm living, I'm on the borders of a dream. You're, you're so far away from dream life. Now I know, I know it's relative to everybody, but I think a lot of people say they're living in a dream when the truth is they're living in a prison. They're living in a nightmare. They're living in, they just got comfortable with it. And, and so it's really important for me to be honest with me. Like, I know people that will lie to me. I know there's millions of people that will lie to my face. I don't need to stand in the same line and lie to me and say, my money's good when it's not. You know, I got too much debt and, and I make sense of it. Maybe I'm living beyond my means or maybe I'm living below my means, right? So, so I think it's really important for people to be dissatisfied with where they are, but uh, not immediately have to jump out of that bucket Hey, how could you get great in that space that you're in and actually excel at it? If you're a janitor or a waitress or a secretary or a car salesman the way I was, how could you get great at it so it would actually change the way you feel about it until you can move to the next arena? You know, one of the things that Lori and I admire the most about you is it's your strong relationship with Elena. It's the way you keep yourself ridiculously fit. Are we, about, are we allowed to mention your age on here, by the way? Yeah, sure, man. I mean, I, you're going to be yeah. 60 in a couple months, and you yeah. are shredded. You're always working out hard. And you just touched on this. You said you need to live your life to this extreme in all areas, not just one. Where did that come from? Like, where does that drive to be great in all areas come from? Because, because the, 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 the only time I've had any real breakthroughs in my life is when I quit trying to do the balance the time, the time balance thing, the time management thing, you know, I tried meditation, you know, like I embrace all the parts of me. I'm not trying to do a job or be a father or a husband. I'm doing my life. I got the Grant Cardone life I'm doing. And when I embrace that, okay, whoever I am, okay, I, I, I move fast. I've, I've always been compulsive. I've always gone to, 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 extremes when I do things, right? I've always liked the rides and the speed and dude, I just embrace that now. So the thing that works for me is to embrace who I am, not try to please everybody, get really comfortable just being me. I like to go fast. I like to accelerate. I, I don't mind making new mistakes. I tried being, putting the governor on. I tried doing the things that society and the schools and my parents told me to do, and it just didn't work for me. Actually, when, when I did that, it caused me a lot of problems. I remember reading about that once. You actually had said, it was, I believe it was in, uh, I forget which one of your books. I've read a couple of them now, but you received some really bad advice from one of the counselors at the rehab center, and he wanted mm -hmm. you to give up all your dreams or they were going to sabotage you, and, yeah. and you did the exact opposite. You just went for it anyways, and this is what saved you. Yeah, I heard all these guys saying, hey, you, you, know, you, you need to be satisfied. Just be grateful. You know that advice? Be grateful. Mm -hmm. Be satisfied with what you have. Have very low expectations. Don't have big expectations. That's where disappointments come from. I'm like, disappointments come from expectations? Dude, I'm already disappointed. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm already disappointed with me, okay? I'm in a room full of drug addicts, and they're talking about don't have high expectations because you might be disappointed. I'm like, dude, we're a bunch of drug addicts in here, okay? You should be disappointed with yourself. By the way, everybody in here is broke. 
Everybody here has a beat up car and everybody here has got relationship problems. You guys are worried about being disappointed. If you ain't disappointed already and you're broke, you got a drug problem, broken relationships, nobody trusts you. If you ain't already disappointed, expectations ain't your problem. Reality is. So, dude, I've always been disappointed with my, my financial situation. I see other guys flying private. And I look at that. I'm not envious. I'm disappointed with me. I'm like, why has that guy got a fleet of jets? And I'm flying on American Airlines uh, center seat in the back between two fat people. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about being honest. This, this goes back to I'm not going to stand in line. Me and Elena do not lie to ourselves. We're either playing below our game or to our game. We're never playing above our game. It's just not happening, okay? For me to play above my game, that means everything about my whole life would have to change, like, huge levels. So... Do you feel that way still? Do you still feel disappointed in yourself after all you've accomplished? No, but I still feel like I'm coming up short, right? What, I, what I, do you I, personally then have to change, do you think, to get to where you're capable of being? Well, well, I would have to, number one, I would have to live a couple, 200, 300 years after I die <laughs> through, through my books and programs. Like, like I want to know in the year 20, 2400 that people are still talking about sell or be sold. Like I, I, I want to do, I would have to, I would have, I would have to do something of biblical proportions to live up to my full potential. And, you know, I would want to have friends and business relationships in every village, in every country, on the planet. I would want my, I would want, I would want my material translated to all other languages. So, so that's how I'm thinking. Like for me to really live at my, my, my full potential, my full spiritual potential. You know, that, that's what I know I'm capable of. I don't need my mom or my dad or my brother or, or the system to tell me I could do that. I know I can do that. I know it's in, inside of me. I know I have the potential. Look at Elon Musk, man. When's Elon going to be satisfied? We're living it's, on Mars. Goes to Mars. Once he gets to Mars, he's going to be like, wow, what else could we do? Right. Not because he's never satisfied the way the psychologists and the psychiatrists talk that Elon's got a problem with being satisfied. Right. Mm -hmm. Elon, Elon is honest with his self, with himself. He's not trying to please the world or show off. He's trying to prove to himself. I know I can do more. It's not even an ego thing. In your book, Be Obsessed or Be Average you kind of touch on this concept that you have to obsess and you can't stop obsessing. And you've also touched on the fact that you feel like we have an obligation to obsess over becoming as wealthy as possible. Each one of us as individuals. Why is that? Why, why should each one of us become as wealthy as possible? Look, 39% of Americans can't pay a thousand dollars for an emergency bill. Okay. 60% of Americans have less than $6,000 in, in a retirement account. People need to become obsessed with something other than just getting by because the, the getting by thing is not working. The middle class is built on basically, it's not built on poor people and rich people. The middle class in America, I mean, America is built on a middle class concept. Hundreds of millions of people that are do just enough to pay the bills. 
And, and so uh, what I'm trying to do, and, and I love the name of your your podcast, Chris, The Love of Money, right? Because look, if you don't love it, you're not going to get it. If you don't love athletics, you're not going to excel at it. If you don't love dancing, you're not going to be a great dancer. If you don't love art, you're not going to be a great artist. If you don't love musician, you're not going to be a great musician. If you don't love your wife, she's going to leave you for somebody else. And, and so if you don't love money, like love what money can do. I don't mean love paper, what it can do, how you can grow it, the game of money. Um, you're not going to have any. And you're always going to be concerned about it. You know, see, I, I don't want to be scared about being short on money all the time. Uh, I, I was flying out of Orlando out of this multifamily conference, and a guy asked me that day or two days yesterday. He's like, hey, what's it going to cost you to fill up your plane? I said, dude, I have no idea what it costs to put fuel in that plane. And he's like, why don't you know? I said, because the plane's no good without fuel, bro. And so that's what I would tell people, look, you need, to, you need to get as wealthy as you can so you can help your church or your community or you can go to Mars or you can help your neighbors or take care of your mom or your dad. 60% of Americans can't even take care of themselves, much less their parents. Wow. That's absolutely crazy. So why do people have such a hard damn time making money, accumulating money, accumulating wealth and, and really having this, this strong money mindset that you speak of? I, I think I think it, I don't think it's actually people's fault. I think people have been miseducated about money. How much is enough? What do you really need? What should you do with money? Is saving what it was years ago? Like most of us were taught. I know you guys were probably taught: save your money, save your money. A penny saved is a penny earned. Start saving early. You know, plan for retirement. Plan for an emergency. Money doesn't grow on trees. Prepare for a rainy day. I think all that. Uh, buy a house. Do you guys own a house in Santa Monica? Yeah. It's like all scarcity mindset you're talking about. Totally, dude. Totally. So so let's just take one of those. Buy a house. Who got who really made the money off of buy a house? Everybody in the transaction. Exactly. The banks, the escrow companies, the title companies, and the insurance. That's who got rich in the house deal. I'm not sure if the video's on, Francisco. So so who got rich in that transaction were banks, not the people buying the house. It was the bank. And that was sold to people. Now, when people invest money in a Keo or an IRA and contribute to your 401k every month, who got rich on that deal? The bank. Trillions, trillions of dollars are sitting with Wall Street for 30, 40 years that people can't get to. You can't even get your own money because you're going to be penalized. Again, who got rich off that deal? The ETFs, all the big Wall Street companies, the big mutual funds, and, and the Wall Street big boys, okay? They're very smart people, and they convinced hundreds of millions of people to turn their money over. So why do so many people suffer with money? Because we've been miseducated about money. So what's the best way to make money today, and, and how does this relate to Cardone Capital? Because I think people get confused. I think they see home ownership as the same thing as investing in real estate, and they're two very different things. Uh, absolutely. So, so uh, what, what I do, I have three companies that I run. I work at very hard every day. And the fourth and fifth company now are a real estate company. So we basically take all the surplus monies from the first three businesses and pour them into the fourth and fifth businesses, with, which are multifamily income producing real estate companies where we go out and buy 
uh, $30 million, $50 million, $80 million big apartment complexes, literally villages, uh, not houses, okay? Not not one house. I, I'm, we're buying villages, literally, um, that pay us income for years. So we're looking for 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years out, what that village will be worth uh, while we waited and, and received income. So the thing I would tell people about money is have a job, make more, get great at that job, make more money at that job than you can spend and take the surplus and buy something, invest in things that pay you money so you have a second or third flow coming in. So like Bitcoin or uh, Google stock. If I'm just starting to make money, the last thing I'm going to do is buy a Bitcoin or a Google stock. Even though I could make money there, in the beginnings, I'm going to buy things that can provide me with multiple levels of income flow, long periods of time, indestructible wealth, so I can start depending on another check or third check or fourth check, multiple flows of income. So that begs the question, if you woke up today and, and you're broke, busted, had to start over, what are the first moves you make? What, what would be your game plan? I mean, I, I would start all over again. I would go out to the marketplace. I would get attention. I would sell a product or a service. I would collect money. I would then get better at that, take the surplus money, and I would start buying real estate again. I don't think I'm going to go broke. I don't know how I go broke. I don't know what equation, what would happen, what would have to happen for me to go broke. By the way, if I go broke, this entire planet's decimated. Everybody, everybody's going to go broke together if I go broke. Now, that being said, if everybody breaks out tomorrow, I'm still left with my creativity, my commitment, my courage, and I hadn't been brainwashed. And if I was brainwashed, I'm unbrainwashed now, so I get to go operate in the same brainwashed planet. I'm not going to buy a house, okay? I'm not going to give any money to Wall Street. I'm definitely not going to put money in a retirement account. I will not give money to a bank. What I'll do is I'll go get money, reinvest it in myself, invest it in the company, invest it in my services. I'll build out again, and I'll play the game again. I'll buy a jet this time sooner than the last time. <laughs> Love that new G G550 you got, by the way. Congrats. Oh, that, thing is, that, that thing is stupid. See, see, that's that's a perfect example, okay? Who, who of us has parents that would advise us to buy a $50 million jet? You usually hear the opposite, actually. Yeah, don't buy a jet. Lease a jet, even if you buy one at all. So... You know, w the problem is, Chris, we don't have people around us giving us advice, uh, like, like the book, The Millionaire Next Door. That book didn't talk about buying jets. That book said buy a used F-150. And that book was extremely popular for giving people financial advice. Now, who's buying Gulfstream 550s? All the Grant Cardones of the world, the people that, that have made it, that have accumulated great wealth. The super wealthy are buying their private aviation. Why? Because they value their time more than their money. Now, if you're not in a position to go buy a brand new jet, by the way, nobody needs to do that right now. You need, you need to at this moment, if you have any inclinations to do bigger things, then at least you need to start thinking about, dude, how, how, can, I start, how can I start valuing my time more than my little money? And this is the mistake I made the first 45, maybe 50 years of my life. I valued money more than time. And I flipped that model in the last 10 years and says, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to, I have less time than I have money. I'm going to use my money to get more time. So 
Who washes my car? Who mows my lawn? Do I even have a lawn anymore? Okay. <laughs> do I park my own car? Or do I throw somebody the keys and say, put it up? And I go to my room and make another phone call, right? How close do I office from my home? What city do I live in? I moved out of LA, dude. As much as I liked California, I left there because of money, right? Couldn't get around fast enough. It was too expensive. Property taxes are horrendous. Owning a house there is almost impossible, okay? Uh, taxes are stupid. Education is terrible. Traffic is horrendous, right? Horrendous. Like, so why do I want to live there? I want to be one minute from my office. I want to be close to an airport. And I want to, I want to, I want to be able to get as many places I can get as fast as I can to do as much good as I can. Let me ask you this once. We were at dinner at uh, Lewis House Mastermind, and somebody asked you, how are you so damn sure of the answers every time you give them? Like, you don't hold any punches, sometimes almost to a polarizing point. So when did you decide to stop letting other people's opinions matter, and, and quite frankly, how? Because this is the shit that holds people up so much. Yeah, like what? What, what, did, I just, what did I just say that you're like, you're, you're, you're pretty certain about that? Uh, when you're when you're so certain about um, valuing your time, and when you when you're so certain about um, get the jet to save your time, and when you're so certain about don't buy the home, invest in the real estate. Which, by the way, I happen to agree with all these things. Yeah. Um, but you're when, you're always the most certain person in the room. Where'd that come from? When did you stop caring about other people's opinions of you? Well, number one, I, dude, I only tell I only like I'm only telling people what I did, right? So. I'm not telling you what Warren Buffett, what I heard, what his quote was, you know, I watched Warren Buffett buy a whole damn jet company. So I'm like, I, I, I just look at what people do and then I, I don't quote what they did or what I read in a book. I bought a jet, right? I, I know that that jet has made me money. Now, I know other guys that buy the jet, but they buy it for the wrong reason. They buy the jet because they want to look, they want to take pictures of themselves in front of a jet. They want to take girls on the jet. They, they, they want to have parties on the jet. I don't party on the jet. I do business on the jet. The jet was bought for the reason. Me and my wife are on the same page. We're, we're not interested in a party. We're interested in a life that lasts longer than I do. So we're, we, ha we have a game we're playing here, and the jet was to get me to a billion dollars. So I can't get to a billion dollars walking to it. I can't. Now, why do I want the billion dollars, right? So you, you're asking me, how, well, how am I so certain? Look, I've made so many mistakes. I played the save the nickel game for 40 years. All I ended up with was a nickel. Okay, so I've done the math. If you save money in the, in the banks today, the bank will pay you about 0.12%. That's 12 parts of 1%. So it would take you 80 years to save the same money that your mama saved 20 years ago. Wow. So that, that doesn't work, right? So I'm certain that saving money is stupid. It's ridiculous. Giving money to Wall Street is ridiculous. Why would I want to give money to somebody and I can't get it back for 30 years? Uh, I bought a house. I didn't make any money on that house. I basically had a house that I had to keep going back to. I had to pay the property taxes. I had to paint it. I had to fix the roof. Oh, but Grant, you had to live somewhere. I didn't have to buy it to live there. That was stupid. Okay. And by the way, I did make money on that house, but I would have been better off making money in a village. 
right? So when I sold my house, I'll give you a perfect example. How am I so certain? I got experience that says this worked. I sold my house in uh, Los Angeles. I lived in Lionel Richie's house. I, I bought that house for $8.3 million and I sold it for $17.8 million. Wow. I made 9 million bucks on that house. Everybody's like, oh my God, you did so good. You made money. Nobody else was making money. I bought a premier location that always, always uh, achieved a premium. Now I paid too much for the house and the next person paid too much for the house. I knew this, if the last six people paid too much, the next person will too. Now, when I sold that house, I took that $9 million and invested into to a village, a thousand apartments in Florida, all the way across the country. That $9 million turned into over a hundred million bucks because it's a village, not a house. So when I tell people, dude, look, invest in villages, don't invest in one house. I'm telling people that because I know that worked. That's why I'm certain, because I'm only telling, like Ty Lopez, I, I tried to get Ty to say, Ty, have you ever had a failure, dude? What have you done wrong? He couldn't answer the question. He starts telling me what other people say. Dude, I said, I wanna, I wanna know about your mistakes. See, I'm certain about my mistakes and I'm certain about my successes. And, and that's why at that, that party with Lewis House, I just shared with, hey guys, the single family house the front door, the one door in the Kyo, they're, they're lies. If you study who got rich, it wasn't the guy that owned one house. God, it's such it, a good answer. It really is. And, and, and so how do we get to that posture ourselves? You know, if we're, if we only have 20 years experience, 30 years experience, if we haven't had the successes, how do we have that same posture as you? I, I think, I think you got to quit listening to so many people. One, the one big, maybe one of the biggest problems today is for entrepreneurs and success-oriented people, they, they, there's so much content available out there, okay? If you go, if you go uh, Google search Bitcoin today, and you read just the, the first page at CNBC, at Bitcoin, you won't know whether to buy it or not buy it. If you go search real estate, buying apartments, at CNBC, or any Google search, or Forbes, or wherever, you're not going to know what to do because the pe people are getting so much misinformation, right? I don't know whether Donald Trump is healthy or not healthy, sane or insane, has a heart problem or doesn't. By the way, I don't even care. The point is, people, the, the old concept about the open mind, you know, you can't, you can't launch, you can't, uh, what is it about, you, you got to have an open mind, uh, parachute. Parachute works best when it's open. Mm -hmm. You know that old saying, yep. that quote, that meme this around? But it doesn't work at all if it's wide open. You're going straight to the ground. And, and I think people are listening to me, Ty, Gary, Bobby, Tony, Gerard, Steve, Chris, Johnny, and they don't know what to believe. So they become immobilized. I don't study 50 people. I study one or two people max. Who do you study? Who, who motivates you? Well, it depends, on, it depends on what I'm doing. Like if I'm studying money, I'm studying what the people what the people at Goldman Sachs did, right? And I'm watching them. I'm like, oh, what, what did they do? Okay. If I'm studying real estate guys that have made a lot of money, right? I'm I'll study guys like that have built out two hundred thousand unit portfolios. Oh wow. Oh, I see what they did. Now 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 I'm going to learn what they did, and I'm going to figure out how to improve on that or disrupt that model. So. It really depends on what I'm trying to learn at that moment.
So is it easier to invest in a fund that's already done with a guy like you, like Cardone Capital, where somebody's already the expert, or is it better to go get your own capital and kind of sharpen your own teeth and make your own mistakes? Well, I mean, I wish I wish I would have started uh, when I was my first deal. My first deal at 33 or 34 years old was 38 units. And I wish I would have started with a guy like today. We, we'll, we'll buy one deal and I might have 38 units that are vacant in the one deal. So we're, we're buying a deal right now. It's 100. The two deals combined are 120 million bucks. It's 750 units. I wish I was my first deal would have been 750 units. I would have rather rather had a, a two percent position in a 700 unit uh, property in major locations. I mean, ridiculous locations in major cities than have a hundred percent of 38 units in a poor location. And I had to buy that poor location because I was on a budget and I didn't know what I was doing. Because yeah, anybody buying a hundred million dollars worth of deals and getting sixty million dollars worth of debt, that they they have to know something about what they're doing, or the or the 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 lender wouldn't have given them the money. So tell me about the uh, 10x growth con. Are we going to learn things like this there? Like I and one of the things I'm I'm excited about is it looks like it's kind of a, a holistic holistic with the W approach towards every aspect of life. 10x your life, 10x your money, 10x your business. Will we learn these things at 10X GrowthCon next month? I have told everybody there, February 22nd, every speaker, there's 20 speakers. The first day, by the way, the total, the total sales of the people speaking the first day last year was over $20 billion. Jeez. Last year. So I've told them, I said, look, if you don't, if you don't talk about how to 10X and scale out from solopreneur to 10 employees, 10 employees to 100, 100 to 1,000, 1,000 to 10,000. If you're not going to talk about that, I'm going to jerk you off the stage. So whether you're talking about e-commerce or retail, right, whether you're talking about social branding or advertising and marketing, if you can't tell people how to 10X, why they should 10X, and how to expand their business and their life to make more time and more money, then I'm going to jerk you off the stage because the only thing I'm interested in is the big play, not the little play. So there's not going to be any rubbing, no rubbing backs, no no walking fire, uh, no rah-rah. We don't need to get excited. People need strategy. People need strategies. People need you know tips. People need, when I'm leaving today, what am I doing this weekend and next weekend and next month? So um, I, I, I can't wait to hear your wife. She, I know she's going to be amazing. Man, I'm Jack. She's going to smash it up there. I can't wait. She's been working hard on that. Yeah. So what, um, who's, the, who's the perfect person that needs to go? Is it every single entrepreneur? Is it every single person because we need to learn how to make more money? Like, who is this event for? Look, I, I, I think the 10X Growth Conference is perfect for anybody looking to network. I think it's, I know guys that are going there just to uh, uh, recruit. The entire companies are sending their top recruiters there, okay? Uh, I know network marketers, so they're going there to offer opportunities to people. I know there's people there that are going there to learn from different people, okay? Maybe you want to learn from Ty Lopez, okay? Ty Lopez is an interesting character to me. So people, people talk, you know, they talk a lot about Ty and this and that. I'm like, dude, the guy's got four or five million people online watching him. I'm like, that's a, that's a respect. You should be respectful. So uh, I got a guy coming, dude, $4 billion worth of advertising sales. 
four billion a year, man. I'm like, hey, dude, I want to learn from that cat. Okay, me and Ty don't do that. I got a guy that does five billion dollars a year in retail sales. I don't do that. Ty doesn't do that. Neither does the advertising guy. So the speakers, you're going to see the speakers come and not leave, because they're like. I want to see that guy. I put together a roster of people. I speak every day, twice a day to, to open the day and to end the day and to just give it a real kind of like simplified version of, hey, this is what I heard today. This is what I'm going to be doing today. And this is what I'm going to do in my business. And then people can watch and see if I do those things or not. But these 20 people that are speaking three days, we didn't do one day or two days. We thought we needed three or four days really to get enough people on the same page that want to take action there's salespeople coming to answer your questions, sales managers, entrepreneurs, business owners, startups, experienced people, inexperienced. So it, it's pretty much the whole gamut. That's awesome. I can't wait. That's, that's my perfect atmosphere there. How do I get tickets? Uh, 10xgrowthconference.com, 10xgrowthconference.com. We got a, how many tickets we have left now? We got less than 60 tickets and there's 9,000 people going to be there. Oh, geez. I mean, that's, they'll be gone to, the, you know, today possibly those tickets are pre uh, pre uh, premium tickets uh there's some vip and there's there's a handful of executive tickets left under uh 1200 bucks so but by the way everybody gets a great seat every seat in the house will have like like it, this is gonna be the experience of people's lifetime with a 100 percent money back guarantee if anybody's got any questions i love it i can't wait to see everyone there grant i got a couple more questions you got a couple more a little bit more time sure. here Tell me about how generosity has played a role in your success. We talk a lot about generosity and, and paying it forward on this show. So look, in the beginning, the only thing I had to give when I was 25 to 30 was my time and my energy and help. I didn't have money to give anybody. I, I, I kept, I said, I got to learn how to take care of myself first. So in the beginning, when I was really turning my life around, um, you know, from the age of 16 to 25, I was so selfish. I was using drugs, alcohol, going out on the weekends, getting hammered, hanging out with the wrong people. I was so selfish that, and I, I say I was selfish because everything was about me. Everything was about my sensation, my high, my my alcohol, my 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 sexual adventure, whatever it is. It was all selfish. The car I'm driving in, how do I look? And when I was 25 and I cleaned up my life, I really wanted to give back. But the truth is I didn't have any money to give back. The only thing I could do is help other people. So if I wasn't at work making money or improving myself, I was helping somebody else, an alcoholic, a drug addict, somebody kind of lost, kids, kids that didn't have dads. I've always been interested in helping people. When my money started getting right, and years later, by the way, okay, uh, th then I started giving money. Okay, but but I, I got to be honest with everybody. I didn't start giving money to people to charities until I had a lot of money to give. Uh, I think my first donation to anybody was thirty five thousand dollars. I went from zero to thirty five grand was my first donation. My next one was a hundred. Uh, last year I gave about five million dollars away to charity. The year before that about the same. But more importantly, I, in the last two years I've raised almost two hundred million dollars from wealthy people for charity. Two hundred million dollars. That puts me in the top, I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 people in the world that raise money. So I'm extremely proud of that. Not just giving money. Giving money's easy. But you can't give it if you don't have it, number one. Number two, giving it's one thing. Getting other people to give it, 
that's leverage. And so that's probably one of the things I'm most proud about is that I can get other people to donate money to Irma, to Harvey, to uh, Puerto Rico, like to, to stopping drugs in America, stopping drugs around the world. Those are some of the things I'm very passionate about. So I'll work with any group. I've worked with uh, Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, Drug-Free America, Drug-Free World. I've worked with the military. We've given, I don't know, 10,000 military people access to Cardone University. That's what I want to do, man. It makes me feel good. And so while I'm giving stuff away, while I'm helping people, I also have to figure out, by the way, I know selfish people that just give money and they're selfish because they want to look like they're philanthropic. The unselfish person would give money and then go, the unselfish person would then go fill up the coffers again so they can repeat the action, right? So you really want the flow to keep going. The most unselfish people will be like this. I'm going to give money. I'm going to go out and get money. I'm going to give some more money. And I'm going to keep doing that so that it's a cycle of action, not just one or two gives. Mm, I love that. That's good advice. What's one of your favorite moments of giving ever? Favorite moment of giving ever? I mean, I, mean, I got to think about my kids, you know. My kid, my, you know, I gave something to my kids that they loved, but, uh, you know, I was in a charity event once and I watched a guy give a million dollars one night and, and it blew me away watching this dude give a million dollars. And, and, and I could feel everybody in the room having the same idea. Like I want to be the guy that writes a check for a million bucks. That just happened to me. Pencils of promise gala a few months ago in New York, somebody yeah. giving away like 1.7 million himself and, and matching everyone's bids. And I left that room saying, like on fire. Like I had to find a way to give bigger. Yeah. You want to be that guy, right? Yep. And, and, and again, you see, that's not a guy showing off. That's a guy inspiring people. You know, every time I've seen the guy with the big house on the ocean, right? I'm like, dude, how did he do that, man? It's an inspiration to me, not an envy. I see a guy flying a private jet. I'm like, that's an inspiration to me, not an envious thing. You know, I, I see a guy with a lot of money giving money to charity. And I'm like, dude, I'm inspired by that. How'd you do that, right? Somebody sells their company and, and raises $4 billion. How did you, tell me how you did that. Show me your account. I want to be inspired by it. So I think, in, in, you know, in closing, Chris, like we should all be inspired by people's successes, not hate on it, not hate on it, man. Be inspired by it. We should promote people being successful. We should be happy for him. You know, when you got people around, you say, oh, look at Cardone. He bought a jet, man. He put 10X on it. People, you should, every one of us should hold other people accountable and say, you know what? Dude, you need to knock that off, man. You need to knock that off. That needs to inspire you. You don't need to hate on that, dude. Leave that up to the CNNs and the Foxes of the world. You don't need to be that guy. Mm, I freaking love that. Grant, where can everyone find you the best? Where should they follow you? Dude, just put in Grant Cardone on your computer, and I guarantee the computer's going to tell you all, you're going to feel like a damn dog trying to go to sleep at night. <laughs> you're going to be going around the circles for about seven minutes. I don't know where to stop. LinkedIn, do I stop on the Twitter? Do I stop? I don't know where I'm going to stop. I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop at Chris and Laurie's house. <laughs> hey, you're welcome to stop here anytime, man. I'm pumped to see you next month. I cannot wait for 10X Growth Con. Thank you so freaking much, Grant, for being on the show. Forever dude, grateful. Appreciate it, man. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds 
and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.